Today is the last Sunday of the decade. Oh, how many of you thought about that? It's the last Sunday of the decade, or the last Sunday of the score, too, if you want me to get that weird on you. But it's the last Sunday of the decade. And in a few days, we'll be doing something that only happens a few times in lifetimes. We'll, we'll change two numbers in a year, so we'll, we'll go into the 20s. We do have a couple of people in our church that it'll be the second time they've lived in the 20s. That's awesome. Um, it really is. That's awesome. It seems like just a few years ago that we changed all four numbers, right? And uh, we entered into the new millennium, and, or not the new millennium. <laughs> Boy, I'm getting biblical on that. Entered into a new um, whatever it is. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Here's what's funny and what I was actually thinking about. In the last 10 years, uh, clap your hands if you weren't born 10 years ago. All the, okay, I see some of you who were born a lot more than 10 years ago that were clapping your hands. And that's okay. If you were not born yet 10 years ago, clap your hands for me. See, I hear them. They're in here today. All right, very, very good. See, a lot can change in 10 years, right? I mean, it's, it's amazing. Now, a lot of us who were born more than 10 years ago, a lot has truth more relevant and even more like this that, to me, actually make God's truth more relevant and even more powerful as I get time to reflect on it. And, and it comes to light even more that God knows and God guides and that God continues to see you through even if you had no idea what was going to happen in the last 10 years. Some of us didn't know what was going to happen in the last year. We may have thought we did. Some of us didn't know what happened yesterday, and that's okay. Because God's word still guides. Isaiah 40, verse 8, tells us that the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. And so if you're going to build your life on anything, we need to learn how to build our life on God's word. You know, think about that. As we look at the last Sunday of the decade, could you have predicted what happened in this last decade? Could you have predicted what happened in just the last few years in your life? And I know if you're like me as well, probably most of you would say, as I look back on it, there were several things, if not most things, that did not go the way that I thought they would go. And perhaps you're in a different place, in a, in a different area of life than you ever thought that you would be, but here's what's awesome about there is that God is faithful. God knows your past and he has your future as well. And so even though life doesn't always go the way that we think it would, could, or should, God is faithful in the midst of it. You see, when I look back over this last decade and even further, and, and I put, I try to maybe fit God somewhere in this perspective, uh, sometimes it falls short. So better yet, I have to remind myself, it's not me fitting God in my perspective that's best. It's learning how I fit in God's perspective that's best. And when I look back on things and I realize that maybe I'm trying to do things or get things to fit in a certain way and it doesn't always seem right, that I'm, again, focused on what I want. And maybe sometimes I forget that God's got this. God's got this plan. He's got this life. He's leading me forward. He knows what's going to happen and he knows what has happened. You see, as this decade gets ready to lead into a new one, and I think back on this one, here's a thought that came to people in this room. I, I didn't know them. Further, my memory of Weatherford was going out here when my brother was on the rodeo team and watching him in rodeos. So I didn't even know Weatherford all that much 10 years ago. For those of you who are wondering, I've been here a little over four years. 
even though for some of you go, man, it seems like forever. Okay, I get it. All right. But that's my memory on that. And so now here we are working together as a church family trying to follow God's word, and it's exciting. As Brittany said it earlier, I'll remind us again, the vision of First Baptist Church is to be a place where people discover that they are fully known and fully loved by God. That's the kind of church that we want to be. And life and circumstances do many things to try to keep us from understanding, receiving, and following the word of God. Some of them are circumstances from culture and life. And let's just be honest, some of them are self-inflicted. Some of us just don't choose to put the effort in to following God's word and to seeing those things. We, we have other priorities in life. And so here's what I want us to understand as we launch into this new decade, that God's word is still true, and it's where we should build our focus and our life around. And Romans 5.8 reminds us that God proved his own love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So no matter what it is that you've done in the past, no matter what it is that you have in your head or in your mind of the things that you think are, are just so difficult about life, you need to understand that God's love is demonstrated in the fact that no matter where we've been and what we've done, that he sent Jesus Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, before we even asked for it, when we didn't even deserve it, and most of the time when we didn't even know that we wanted it, God acted and moved on our behalf. That's comforting for me to think of as I get ready to head into the next 10 years. That God's already reached out his arm of love to me and no matter what's going to happen. And if I could take anything, word already has the path and the plan for it. And if I could take anything for me, taking some time to reflect over the past decade, if you will, probably the most important thing that comes out of it for me is I need to remember that the most important thing I can do in this life is strive to follow God's word. It's true and it's sure and it will see me through. And as much as my plans in life may change, it doesn't. It's solid and it stays the same. And so since God has shown me the depth of his love through Jesus, how am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do? I want to give us three, not ten, simple things real quick. Adults are way too quiet in here on Sunday mornings. And this is awesome. So three simple things that we can do as we look forward to this new decade and, and even continuing to follow God's word. And if you do these things and you commit to them, I guarantee your life will change. It will change for the better. The first thing is this. Live by God's word, not by my plans. Live by God's word, not by my plans. We could all stand up and give story after story after story about plans that we've made in life things that we want to see, stuff that we want to see happen and how they didn't come through and how they didn't come to fruition and how we had to change and we had to adjust. But when I look back on all those memories in my life, what things that I do see is that God's word never changed. It saw me through every one of those circumstances. And when my life plans changed, when God was right there and drew me back in, that's where I found peace and that's where I found life at its best. And if I can somehow train myself to say I'm going to live by God's word instead of by my plans, then I think life would go a lot smoother for me. You know, let me think, let me just give you an example. Last year, at the beginning of last year, we invited people to read through the Bible in a year. And so many of our church family started, and I'm not looking for a show of hands today, all right? But the question is, how many finished? 
And there's two reasons I bring that up today. One is because you still have a week, so get on it if you're behind. <laughs> you're off work, come on, all right? But I also bring it up to just make this, this point. I don't say it to make anyone feel guilty, but rather to demonstrate this, how easy it is that we can get distracted by the things of the world that lead us away from simply following God's word. We may have, with all the intentions in the world, said, I'm going to read through the Bible. I'm going to do this. This sounds awesome. I'm going to read the whole Bible this year. And where are we? You know, some of you didn't realize it takes till September to get to the New Testament. How easy it is to get distracted in that. But here, my, phew, wow, you know. And so I understand, but how easy it is to get distracted in that. But here's what Jesus says. As he preached the Sermon on the Mount, he came to the end of this beautiful and informative sermon, one of the most powerful sermons that he ever preached, if not the most powerful. And at the very end of it, he's wrapping up and he says these words. He says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that. And then it says this, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house. It collapsed, it collapsed with a great crash. Can I just tell you something? I'm so thankful that you're at church. But coming to church is irrelevant if you don't do what God's word says. Hearing God's word is only half of it. It's actually doing it that makes the difference. And so going into this next decade, what do you need to do and change in your life that would say, I want to live by God's word and not just by my plans? And how do I position myself to say, I'm not just going to hear what God has to say, I'm actually going to try to do it. Because that's where we find the joy of the life that God has for us. So... First thing, live by God's word, not by my plans. The second one, it sounds simple, but it's not. Love people. Love people. Listen to me. Our world is getting more and more messed up as days go by. Amen? People are embracing ideology and practices that are harmful, they're hurtful, they're immoral, and they're just plain wrong. I mean, that's just the world that we live in. And God's word is crystal clear about what our response as a believer should be. It's to love people. That's our response. That's our responsibility. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. That's why we started with, I'm going to live by God's word, not by my plans. But then Jesus says, but the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, that's okay. There's a story that comes right after this where somebody goes, okay, well, who's my neighbor? The hero, of, and he gives a story of what, what we call in church, we call it the story of the Good Samaritan. And basically, the hero of the story is the most hated person by the Jews. And he says, take the, take the person that, that you can't imagine being the person who would be the hero, make them the hero, that's your neighbor, that's who you're supposed to love. And when we live in a culture right now that is just absolutely filled with hate and with cowards who like to get behind computer screens and post things online at a distance and take shots at people and just encourage people to hate and spew and do all these things, 
what stands out more than anything else is someone who has the courage to love their neighbor. And you want to make a difference in this world, that's how you do it. All the pithy quotes and pictures of food that you can put up online aren't really going to make all that big of a difference. I posted bacon this morning, amen, <laughs> online. I'm like, we all know what the star of pancakes and pajamas was. It's bacon, okay? So that's what, we, that's what we put out there. But it's those things aren't going to make a big of a difference as when we actually start loving our neighbor. And I'm going to say this real plain so that we don't miss it. If we say that we love God and then we turn around and we rip our neighbors to shreds, it's not biblical and it's not helpful. It doesn't matter what they believe or how they're living or what they're doing. The answer that we need to do to them is love them. Okay, and your love for us in this, that things that are wrong and they're doing those this. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the whole vision of this church is built on that verse. The way that we're going to change the world is one heart at a time by loving them. And here's what you need to realize. Truth is best received in the context of a loving relationship. Best received in the context of a loving relationship. When someone knows that you care about them, then they will become more willing to hear what you have to say. And they will see the things that are happening in your life. So first, I'm going to live by God's word not by my plans. And second, I'm going to love people. I'm going to love people. Because in loving people, that's how I can bring about change. It's the way that God chose to change my heart and your heart. And it's the example that we have to follow to change the world. Love them even when they're unlovable. And that's what we're supposed to do. And then the last one is this. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. You're not in this alone. Can I just preach for just a second. <laughs> it might sound like a plug for you to come to church, but I want to ask something from each one of you that will do more for you than what you will actually give to it, no matter how much you give. Commit to being faithful to church with attendance, with serving, and with giving. Because I believe that what's coming in this next decade will be some of the most challenging, but quite certainly the most important in the life of not only First Baptist Church, but the global church. Because we see the direction that this world is going. Culture is not moving in line with God's word. It's moving away from it. And if I'm going to preach for just a little bit, here's what I'm going to tell you. Individual, the more that you think that I can do this alone, way of isolating and separating the prey from the herd. The more that you think that I can do this alone and that my personal relationship with Jesus is personal and none of your business, the more that you just kind of walk away from everything and the enemy goes, that is awesome. You stand there by yourself and let me just eat you alive. It is in the context of a group of believers that we grow, that we receive truth, that we give truth, that we find love and connection and protection and the way to be able to walk through this life, that we learn to parent together and we learn to come together and understand God's truth. It's not on your own. And the culture keeps telling you, you need to be independent. You need to be on your own. Men, listen to me. You want to be manly? Love your neighbor. Get in a group. Share, your, share with other people what you're going through and what you've been through. Help them along the way. I'm going to man up. Do this by myself. Good. We'll pick you up after you fail. Because that's where that's going to lead. Everybody who thinks they can do it by themselves ends up asking for help one way or another. And that's what we can just go ahead and 
cut out from under this. Look, 1 Peter 5, 6 through 9 says this, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because God cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. You know, Justin and Brother Carl are going to go and get to see some things. They're going to see how God's working in Nicaragua this week. And I guarantee they're going to be encouraged by that. And though they're going there to give, I promise you they're going to get more out of that than what they're ever going to give. We give opportunities all the time to do that. And you don't need to give, you need to pray, you need to go. We give opportunities all the time to do that. And you don't need us to give opportunities, just go do it. Because that's where it begins to, to get perspective. And, and what we need to understand is that the more that we understand how others are able to walk through them and the more encouragement we get with the circumstances in this world, then the more knowledge that we have to be able to walk through them and the more encouragement we get to go through them. But when we just do all this stuff on our own, then we miss out on that type of fellowship. Can I just tell you, First Baptist Church is a collection of imperfect sinners, all right? If you're looking for a perfect church, don't join because I'm the pastor of this one, okay? But we come together and we say, I want to follow God's word and I want to learn to love people. And I don't do this alone. And as I get it right, I'm able to do this with other people and share what I did to get it right. And as I mess it up, I'm able to get around other people and they love me and encourage me and protect me and go, don't do that again. And it helps. Can I just tell you one of the greatest gifts that I have received since being pastor of this church is that God has surrounded my family with people in this church who have walked through life circumstances that I am facing or have been facing that seemed incredibly daunting, but they're on the other side of them. And here's some of the greatest advice they ever gave. They just come up and go, you'll make it. They don't give me advice on how to walk through it. They just kind of laugh because they're like, I've been there, and I know how overwhelming that seemed. And they just pat you on the back and go, you'll get it. You'll be all right. Just, just hang on. And it is. It's so encouraging when you get that. You have no idea how encouraging that is. And you know where you don't get that? Standing there on your own. You know where you do get that? When you surround yourself with a body of believers, when you connect yourself with a church, you know, we don't need to fix each other's issues. That's not what we're here for. We just need to walk together as we face them. And you'd be surprised at how many times I counsel and pray with people in this church that are dealing with similar, if not the same, issues, and they all think they're alone. And, of course, I don't go and share everybody's issues with them. But I sit and pray, and I go, God, if you could somehow let so-and-so meet so-and-so, this would be awesome. Because they really need to talk. Or I, I, I talk with someone who's dealing with something, and I know someone who's been through it, but I don't have permission to share. And so that's why, I, again, I remind ourselves that truth is best received in the context of a loving relationship. We all need to be working on building those relationships. If you think that your faith is something that you can do on your own, only, then you're missing out on the context of what it means to be a believer and walk this life together. Go up somewhere for the first time and be the person who looks. And I know what it is to be a visitor or to show some up 
show up somewhere for the first time and be the person who looks different, act different, thinks different, does something different. But God wants us to learn to come together and do those things to humble ourselves and put one another first and learn how to walk through this life together. We all work toward being faithful in a church where people can find those type of relationships. When we all work toward being faithful with our attendance, with our service, and with our giving, I promise you, you will get more from it than you will ever give into it. Because God gives us not only himself, but he gives us one another. And then, First Baptist Church can be a place where people discover they're fully known and fully loved by God. And it can change their life. And it begins when we understand that God has brought this church together, not for what we can receive from it, but what we can give to it and give to one another. See, that's the question of the individualistic culture. Well, what do I get out of it? But what God's word demonstrates is that he's already given us everything that we need. And so we need to live our lives saying, what can I give? What can I do? How can I make a difference? How can I make an impact? And when we do that, we find true life. Live by God's word, not by my plans. Love people and don't do it alone.